Do we need to distance ourselves from vegans that take things too far? Or do they just need more support than we're currently giving them? Does following a plant-based diet make you more likely to show signs of disordered eating? And would you watch a vegan sitcom based at an animal sanctuary? Because they're after your crowdfunding money. Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Anthony, he's Richard, and it's time for episode three of Vegan Week. Thanks for joining us for episode three of Vegan Week, your one-stop audio destination for the week's vegan headlines, news, commentary and discussion. As you heard in the opening, I am not alone. I can't get rid of him. He's more tenacious than the Spanish flu, but with a much lower mortality rate. It's my good friend, Richard. It's wonderful to be at the start of another show. We've got a lot of great stuff to share with you all. Welcome back to regular listeners and a big welcome to anyone joining us for the first time. If you've already listened to an episode of the show, you'll be able to quickly give us a rating. We'd be so grateful if you could. It really helps others to find out about the show. Make it your good deed for the week. Indeed. And uh, whether you're a new listener or returning for more, just drop us a message to say hi, especially if you're the mysterious listener from Belgium who keeps showing up on our podcast analytics. Don't know whether you noticed, Rich, they were listening again this week, whoever they are. Anyway, (laughs) coming up later in the show, we'll be deep diving into a conversation about what to do when vegans take things, quote unquote, too far. Yes, but this is the Vegan Week podcast. And as the name of this show suggests, we are first and foremost a news-based show. So we're going to start things off with a rundown of our top 10 vegan news stories of the week. Sounds good to me, Rich. Right, I've got them queued up. That's enough of the falafel. Let's get to it. It's time for this week's news. Okay, Rich, I've WhatsApped you the 10 stories. You should have them now. As always, all of the headlines relate to veganism, animal rights or outcomes for animals. Uh, and it's up to you to decide what order we discuss them in, which which one's grabbing you to open the show with. I feel like we need to start with a bit of positivity to the show. So from Just Food, Dutch dairy company Walmart, um Go fully vegan. Did I pronounce that well, Anthony? No idea. Dutch listeners, let us know. Maybe the Belgian has an idea. If you're the Belgian listener, then let us know on on Rich's pronunciation of Burmark. Anyway, they are a Dutch-based dairy and plant-based business. That's currently what they do. But they've announced this week their intention to go fully vegan. Now, it's one of these where the headline can sound really, really exciting. Then you dig a little bit deeper and you realise it's... It's still positive, but perhaps not quite as positive as you thought, in that they are transferring their dairy operations uh, to another local company. So they're basically selling off the animal exploitation part of their business, I guess, for want of a better phrase. And everything that they do from now on will be solely vegan. Uh, They're saying that this range will be available from 2026. It's going to be under their own brand, Vary, so dairy, but with a V or via um, private label contracts. Um, they're based in, on, oh God, I can't say this, on en- Enshida? Anyway, somewhere in the Netherlands. We'll go with that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're based somewhere in the Netherlands. They've been doing dairy. They've been producing dairy and selling dairy for more than three decades, but they have decided to make this plant-based transition. They're reporting 800% growth in their vegan dairy production over the last three years with this very brand that has been going since 2015. And um, yeah, their their range is available in 80% of Dutch supermarkets, as well as major grocery chains in in Germany, um, which is sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Sounds too good to be true. And to be honest, Anthony, I don't think the fact that they're transferring the business or part of the business um, to another company is a bad thing. I mean, what would you do? Just close it? Probably there's a lot of logistic problems there. Um, but the fact that they're going fully vegan, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, the only thing from my point of view is it makes me wonder why they're doing it. Like, is there is their director, their CEO, have they suddenly become an ethical vegan so they don't want to be part of animal exploitation anymore? Or is it purely down to the finance? Like, what do you I think? I would say it's down to economics. Probably this is, that you know, every time meat is selling less in certain places, so probably there's not an incentive to uh, use animal products there. So probably that's a financial and business decision. Well, let, let's hope so. Let's hope there's not some sort of boring reason or, or that, that suggests there's a, a bad reason for selling it. Uh, something that I caught, uh, something that caught my eye uh, that I thought was really nice and relates to something you've said before, Rich, is the fact that they're saying that they'll be able to keep their entire staff of 180 despite this move or, or dur- during this move. It's not going to result in any redundancies and they're going to remain involved in the growth of the vegan brand. Uh, which is fantastic. Obviously, you know, a, a lot of people's worry about animal agriculture becoming less in demand is that people will lose jobs. But as we've said on the pod before, like it just means that different jobs are going to become available. So uh, that's that's pretty good news, isn't it? Would you share this news, do you think, Rich? Like, would you would you use this as a story to show as an example of where the, where the market's going? Or have you still got a few yes, more questions? Yes, I would. I would, and for a very clear reason, there's a lot of startups that start doing vegan food. And that's their aim, and that's brilliant, and I fully support them. But as society, we also need to help those companies that might not be doing uh, a full vegan range, or they might be looking to transition to a vegan, uh, fully vegan company. And that's very important. We'll, we'll only change the world is if those companies that currently sell animal products transition to a vegan offering. So that's really, really good. Yeah, Holland leading the way, although they've uh, potentially got a political party coming into power that's run by farmers, as I understand. So it might not be completely Sorry, Anthony, positive. Let's, let's keep it positive for this one. Let's keep <laughs> yeah, it positive. You're let's cutting me off positive. moving to the next story. That's fine. I we understand. are. We are moving to the next story um, from Grocery Gazette. Plant-based brand This secures investment from ITV Finance. Yeah, I didn't know ITV Finance was a thing. It's a obviously a major TV company, TV channel in, uh, in, in Great Britain. But apparently they invest in stuff too. I suppose it makes sense, doesn't it? And this is their first ever investment in a food company. And it is the plant-based brand This uh, you might have seen in UK supermarkets. So ITV have agreed to subscribe for one and a half million pounds of shares in return for 
basically putting out loads of adverts um, for this and their and their products on the airwaves, which is exciting. Uh, this co-founder and co-CEO, Andy Shovel, great name, said not only did we get them to make the porkiest plant-based TV ad ever, the scale of the investment means that we can reach audiences across the country and get closer to making meat-free the norm. Uh, so they're they're now the largest independently owned brand in the sector this they're forecast to hit 20 million pounds of revenue this year which is over 50 percent in comparison to last year's performance um so sounds like a really positive story they're, they're going to be able to get more more ad coverage and they've got a lot of financial backing looks promising rich it looks very promising and the good thing about this is despite the fact that the meat alternative market seems to be a bit rough at the moment with Beyond Meat stock going down and the companies like Meatless Farm having gone into administration. This seems to be doing really well. In fact, I know it because they're on a portal or crowdfunding place called Cedars. So they raise money or they've done convertible note um, for raising capital there. And they raised £12 million already with a company valuation more or less about £161 million. So the fact that ITV is pouring money there is because they see the upside, they see it's promising. And let's face it, it's a good brand. Well, interesting you should say that. Did, did you uh, clock at the start of last year they got into a lot of hot water with some vegans uh, for, for for an advert they did. Did you see that? Um, that rings a bell. But yeah. Could you refresh they, me? Oh, I mean, I don't want to go through it all now because it was a bit of a drama. But basically, they did an ad that um, upset quite a few vegans. Um, and then when people posted on social media, one of their social media managers basically just went off on one and was very, very rude. I, th- I think I can say that without fear of contradiction. They were very rude. They were very anti-vegan. And it got a lot of people saying, I'm not going to use these products again, blah, 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 blah. I mean, whatever your view of, of the company, I mean, they're a B Corp. So they're supposed to be, you know, a very good company for employers and, and the environment and stuff like that. But whatever your your view on them, like they, they seem to be making a lot of headway in the, in the supermarket space. So um I guess we'll see. We, I'm, I'm definitely wanting to see positive things here. We also had the backlash with Oakley when they accepted external capital from a company. Was it BlackRock? I think it was. Um, yeah. 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 Um, at the end of the day, companies will get capital from other places or will, you know, make mistakes. But um, so do the non-vegan ones. So. Yeah, they they do, and I, I guess you don't have to be behind this and and them as a company to to acknowledge nonetheless that actually a major TV channel in this country is is putting a, a seven-figure sum of investment into a, a vegan brand. So that's that's good. Or let's call them plant-based so we don't get into trouble with people that still don't like them very much. Exactly. So I think we should, we've had two very positives. I think we should move to a different sort of... Uh, yeah, go on then, go on yeah. then. Okay, so this is from The Animal Reader. Extreme plankton bloom threatens marine life in Thailand. Yeah, a plankton bloom is not something I knew anything about until uh, researching this week's news. So uh, basically in Thailand, or the the seawater just off the coast of Thailand, uh, of the the upper gulf in Chonburi province, 
Uh, it's now got a jade green colour. It's not looking blue like you would expect seawater to look like. The water's thick, it's slimy, and it smells of dead fish. And it's all indications that a plankton bloom is on the way. Now, you might think like I was thinking, well, fish and whales eat plankton. Uh, what's what's the problem if there's, if there's more? Well, apparently, if these microscopic organs... Uh, organisms sorry if they reproduce too much there's there's too much of them it can it can be toxic if it's in too large amounts and it can starve the ocean of oxygen kill fish kill other animals um a marine scientist oh gosh shall i try and pronounce their name tanaspong pokanovic i think i got away with it pokanovanich anyway uh, a marine scientist said this is the first that they've seen themselves looking this bad since they were born um which means that it's very very severe this year um now the the cause of this green seawater is yet to be determined i mean the cause of it in a sense is irrelevant for the animals um and the wildlife that is suffering currently as a result but scientists are investigating possible connections to climate change um worldwide marine heat waves have become a growing concern um and Pokanovich, this uh, marine scientist, is basically saying anecdotally, everything seems to be getting worse and we need to do something about it. Um, Rich, like, what, what's your response? And, and specifically, with regards to it being climate change, like, should we speculate these things before we know? Or is that a bit knee-jerk? I, I think there's a danger of making assumptions that are wrong. So we need to be very certain when we make claims of who, what's causing what. Yeah. However, I believe a lot in, I read a book called The Precautionary Principle, which it's like, it's kind of, you 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 make sure you don't do a thing if you don't know the, the, the consequences. Now, the author of the book probably is, is now pulling his hair with this uh, definition of the, the book. But we don't know if it's climate change, but not by not knowing it means um, it's not climate change. If you know what I mean, so I would be careful. It it smells like climate change, if I'm honest. So smells it smells of dead fish. Come on, Richard, I've already told you this. Uh, yeah, I I I get what you're saying. I I just think sometimes if we um if we knee jerk and we just say, oh, it's climate change, that's climate change, or you know something to do with veganism, like it, it can undermine the argument sometimes, can't it? If you just go to it all the time before you you necessarily know that it's true. Yes, however. It's very strange the fact that the coral reefs are in decline, or at least in certain places are in decline, with all the weather warnings, all the disasters around the world, and the rising temperature of the sea. I mean, yes, yeah. we don't know. Maybe I'm making an assumption. I would say probably it's related, but hey. Well, either way, it's rubbish, isn't it? Either way, like scores of animals are dying. So it's it's not good news, and hopefully it, it stops and is not repeated, but we'll... Have to keep an eye out, I guess. Shall we, we move on? We will move on and we'll go. Um, this is from the Vegan Society. A quarter of UK councils failed to recognise their responsibility to cater to vegans. Vegan Society research finds. Yeah, this was an interesting one. So when I was researching news, I kept getting these headlines of Wolverhampton failing to meet its duty for providing vegan food. Liverpool failing to meet its duty for vegan food. Humberside failing. And like all these news stories were coming out and uh, it didn't take much of uh, detective skills to realise they were all coming from, from the same place. So what seems to have happened is the Vegan Society has done a survey, has kind of, I guess you could say they've done a study. They've, they've compiled data from freedom of uh, information requests and then they've hit 
loads of local media with press releases saying, did you know that your local area is not doing what it needs to do? Now, it's not all councils are failing to meet their requirements for, for recognising their responsibility to cater for vegans. But basically, if you go on to the Vegan Society's website, they've created a heat map of the UK showing which local authorities are leading the way and which are falling behind. So there's good news, uh, including where I live in Worcestershire. Worcestershire was green, so hooray for Worcestershire. Um, Oxfordshire, Edinburgh and Richmond upon Thames were others that were cited as doing well. Uh, the Orkney Islands, Barnet and North Somerset are amongst those falling behind. Can't say I'm too surprised that the Orkney Islands is not a hub of vegan activity. But basically, this relates to the minimum standards that uh, the Vegan Society says should be met now that veganism is a protected characteristic. So over a quarter of councils did not acknowledge their responsibility to consider veganism as a protected characteristic when making catering decisions. Uh, so basically, there being at least one vegan option always available in basically public funded places, so schools, local authorities, places like that. Uh, the Vegan Society say that this is important, as I think we would agree. And indeed, it's not just about vegans. So they say that 40% of consumers that they asked said that they wanted plant-based alternatives. So it's not just about catering for vegans, it's catering for people who want plant-based alternatives. Rich, I've got some more details on this one, but just your initial reaction. Do you think this is a good thing, like raising awareness of like the needs of vegans? Or do you, th do you think it makes us seem a bit needy? Like we're, we're I, I, I don't know, like obviously we need there to be vegan options, but when I kind of saw this, I cringed a little bit because I was just like, oh, God, it's making us sound like a bunch of whinging people. Like, I'll just I'll just quietly bring no. my vegan pat lunch in. You know, I won't cause any fuss. Not at all. I think we need to defend our right to be catered, you know, and I, I'm thinking more sorry if I'm going on a tangent here, but I would like to see a correlation between the representatives, their businesses, and where they're based. Because I can't make an assumption, obviously, we don't know that data, but I know sometimes there's a lot of uh, hidden interest, and sometimes, depending on the industry your business is in or where your interests are, you will not promote certain things. Like, why would a farmer or someone that owns a farm uh, promote a vegan diet in their council? Yeah, I, I, I think... I think it is going to be down to individual councils. I only say that in that I was quite surprised that Oxfordshire was one of the places that was cited as doing really well in that there's like a, a lot of farming communities in, in Oxfordshire. But I guess just if you've, if you've got people in the council who are going to say, right, this is really important, we need to make sure this is happening, then it's more yeah. likely to happen, I guess. Absolutely. So yeah, that my initial thought is that is you no know, the people who make those decisions, who have the capability of uh, promoting this. What are their interests? I would like to know that. But no, on I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you ask for something if you have the right to? Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. I th I think maybe it's just my the people pleaser in me, uh, kind of thought. Oh no, gosh, don't make a fuss. But yeah, of course it's right. And and the vegan society has done a lot on this in the last few years. Um, in terms of making sure it is a, a protected characteristic and things like this. Um, they, yeah. They've got the full report, just so you all know. Um, it's called Catering for Everyone, How Far Are Councils Across the UK Catering for Vegans? Um, and you can see how your region is is graded on the website. Um, and there's resources you can share with your local councillors, local MPs, if indeed they're not doing enough, or even if they are doing, quote unquote, enough to encourage them to do more, because these things are 
are helping us to meet climate change uh, targets that, that have been set by the government. Um, just quickly, perhaps before we move on, Rich, um, the Vegan Society from, from a survey they've done said that 40% of people wanted plant-based alternatives to eat. Did that surprise you, that number? Like, would you have thought that would be higher, lower? Or was that, that about right? Well, I thought it was high, but I'm delighted it's that number, you know. Uh, you don't know if it's people that maybe are not vegan or do not follow a plant-based diet, but just want to be offered that option. Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, what's so... interesting is is comparing that number to studies that we've looked at either in previous episodes of the podcast or when we did a couple of pilot episodes before we started um, uploading them. There were studies done showing kind of how much people would eat plant based food if they were sort of given the option or it was made available as the main option. And that that number was much higher, like people would like 60 to 70 percent of people would happily eat plant-based food without even raising an eyebrow. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully that number keeps going up. That's all I can say. Let's hope so. Okay, I think we've covered some positive stories. Unfortunately, I can see you've included another one that might not be so uh, positive. But anyway, we need to we need to discuss it or we need to go for it. So from Farming UK, public backs call for children to have free or subsidised school milk. So this is research coming as part of World School Milk Day 2023, which was on the 27th of September. I'm sure you all celebrated vigorously and it celebrates the quote unquote benefits of school milk. Now, this is a survey carried out by YouGov. Um, it was a poll to 2000 adults across the UK and apparently four out of five UK adults think that children should have access to free or subsidised milk in schools and nurseries. Now, I, I know I should present the story first and then comment on it afterwards, but I just feel like if you're asked a question like that, basically, do you think the government should give you stuff for free? People will just say, yes, it doesn't matter what it is. Do you think the government should give people free PlayStations? Oh, yeah, 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 I should. So I don't really pay any attention to that four out of five number. In fact, I'm surprised it's not higher. What's interesting is that this poll has been carried out and this press release, if you like, has been released because apparently after in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic, a lot of education settings have not restarted their milk schemes so before covid they would be getting free milk delivered and they'd be dishing it out or subsidized milk they'd be giving it to children in school but after covid well sorry during covid that obviously stopped because children weren't going into school for a period and then a lot of schools haven't restarted it which is interesting um basically this story tells us lots of different subsidies lots of different schemes that are available it's basically a, a big press release by uh, the school milk subsidy scheme saying all the different ways that you can get free milk in school and what a brilliant thing it is. Richard, like what the dickens is going on here? Like what is 2023? Like we're still saying that, that dairy is good for small children. They should be drinking the milk from other mammals. If, if I'm honest, what worries me now is um, how's your blood pressure? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I'm letting it out. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah um, it's fine. No, so what I see here is uh, an attempt, I guess, by the dairy industry to lobby schools to make sure they get their cut off their business. But it seems a bit like old-fashioned at the moment to give kids a glass of milk at school. Well, um, I wonder whether that's why. I wonder whether that's why, like, schools haven't resumed after COVID, 
because I, th- yeah. I think I it think makes that... you think. Why why wouldn't you ask for something that's free? Mm, yeah, I mean, schools schools are busy places, and, and people have a, a big workload, so it might just be something that's been overlooked. But I I don't know. It, that would be a really interesting study, wouldn't it? to see people's opinions on it because I bet there's a lot of teachers senior teachers who are making these decisions who are thinking do you know what like I I don't I don't think that's something we should be doing anymore or maybe it's just wishful hope uh, wishful thinking on my part and also we don't know the the amount of lactose intolerance prevalent today in in the society or children so I don't know if from a logistic point of view it's also complicated for schools to handle that so we don't know. We don't know the full information. We don't know the full picture. No, but I think I, I think it's good in a sense that the dairy industry is putting money and their time to advertise the fact that this free thing is still available. Like that, if, if they're having to work hard to give stuff away, that to me is a good sign from a from a vegan perspective. Anyway, should we move on? Yes, move on. From Kalkine Media, Little Bear Sanctuary announces innovative vegan sitcom pilot to be filmed on location in Florida. Yeah, this one is a very interesting one. I kind of hope it develops in the way that the story suggests. So the Little Bear Sanctuary is an animal sanctuary. It's home to over 200 rescued farm animals in Florida. And there is a sitcom pilot called Friends Not Food that is being filmed there. So their their idea is to, quote unquote, flip stereotypes and blend comedy, improv, animal rescue and ethical living in a show that will be the first of its kind. Now, from my first question, and I'm sure a lot of your first questions, listeners, will be to what extent the animals themselves will be used. The producers of the show have uh, given a reassuring statement saying that none of the residents will be used or forced to do anything. So they're basically going to be in the background or involved as much as they naturally want to, but nothing is going to revolve around them, so to speak. They've said, we're going to film this scripted show whilst navigating the unpredictable, genuine moments of being jumped on, bleated at, nuzzled and pecked, keeping improvisation and honesty at the core of the hilarity, apparently. Uh, so they are launching, or they launched uh, this week, rather, Rather, a joint Indiegogo campaign, so like a crowdfunder campaign, to fund this project. Uh, they're starting the, the the sort of first photoshops in in the photoshops photo shoots in the next few weeks. Uh, if you do donate to this crowdfunder, some of the perks include uh, obviously being updated on the progress of the project, uh, giving a resident a character name for the show receive an associate producer title, I guess, in the credits of the show, and enjoying a weekend stay at the Little Bear Sanctuary's bed and breakfast. Rich, would you watch a sitcom based on an animal sanctuary or based at an animal sanctuary? Um, I don't know. I'd have to see it. I mean, I'm intrigued about it, so I'd probably give it a go. I don't know if I'd finish it, but give it a go. What about you? Yeah, I reckon so. I mean, like... They're obviously giving that reassurance of um, we're not going to be using the animals. We're not going to be doing anything they don't want. I think if I saw stuff that kind of made me a bit uncomfortable, then I might err away from it. Or that, that, that said, I'll watch films that have animals in. And like in a sense, like that's that's not the most ethical vegan thing to do, arguably. So, um, yeah, I think that would be my only hesitation. But in general, it's it's got to be a great thing, I would have thought. 
Do you think that this would help people create more empathy towards animals and maybe make a connection between what they eat and the animals? Do you think that is an achievable goal? Well, I mean, I don't think it would do any harm. I think, I mean, just just to flip this on its head, I think what would create more awareness would be to base a sitcom at an industrial animal agriculture farm where animals are are being killed i mean it would it, it wouldn't be the most uh enjoyable watch but that's going to give people a lot more understanding of of what actually happens uh, um and and that i i mean sanctuaries are great places but i kind absolutely. of absolutely and i think it helps give people a good connection as to what animals are actually like but if i had to choose between uh, somebody who's not vegan going to a sanctuary versus seeing what happens in a slaughterhouse I know it's maybe a bit cruel of me, but I'd rather they watch the latter, to be honest. But uh, anyway, no, no sitcom is going to be produced inside an abattoir. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely take this. Don't think so. No, probs not. No. But uh, yeah, good good luck to them. And I, I, I hope it, it gets aired. And if it does, I will certainly be giving it a watch. OK, it's time for a bit of, uh, of this. See, there's a typical fake news deal. Yes, it's fake news time. This one has been everywhere this week. From Birmingham Mail, Made in Chelsea's Lucy Watson will bring baby a vegan no matter what. Yes, this is the quote-unquote news. It's, it's certainly news for, for Lucy and her family, but perhaps not for the rest of us. The news that the Made in Chelsea star has announced that she is pregnant. She announced it earlier this week with her partner, James Dunmore. There's a picture of them on Instagram holding her pregnant stomach, looking very happy. And the... the the news, the headline is that uh, she says she's going to bring the baby up vegan no matter what, which might not be a surprise to some of us, but I guess to a lot of people that might be a surprise. She said the following, for me, veganism is a promise I made to the animals, one I will never break no matter what. In terms of my diet, I've made a conscious effort to eat less processed food and more whole foods, also protein. I make sure I get at least 60 grams a day. Protein is the building blocks of life and essential to grow a baby. Now, this this is the interesting thing, which I mean, we, we've given it the fake news jingle because basically the story here is someone's pregnant, they're vegan and they're bringing up their baby vegan, which there are hundreds of thousands of examples of. I would maybe not hundreds. Lots and lots of people who are vegan have got pregnant and have had vegan babies. So in a sense, it's not news. However, like this is getting out to an audience of people who perhaps have not encountered that before. Like, are, are we harsh saying it's not news? Is is it worth spreading and, and letting people know? I guess it makes people think, yeah, why not? I mean, there's so many things we consume nowadays that are not news. So if something spreads the vegan message, I don't see why it's a bad thing. Yeah. And I have to say, like to give Lucy credit, she she can certainly come up with a sound bite. Listen, listen to this bit. So she says, I've had many people along this journey tell me you need to give up the vegan diet. It's stopping you getting pregnant, um, which is a very strange thing to say. But she she responds, that is not the case. And for anyone dealing with the same doubts, I can assure you that it is and can be a very healthy approach to pregnancy. There are people who are crack addicts who get pregnant. <laughs> Being vegan is not going to stop you. And yes, our baby will be vegan. So in her own Don't way. Like, right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And like she's putting some humor into it too. Um so I guess yeah, it's it's good to to get that message out, particularly if there's an audience who's is not not come across 
pregnant vegans or, or vegan babies before. So uh, congratulations, Lucy, on both your pregnancy and your excellent little vegan sound bites there. Shall we move on, Richard? Yeah, let's move on. So this story relates closely to our discussion topic for this week. From the Express, vegan facing jail after bitter feud with neighbours. So, yeah, we're, we're going to cover the main outline on this one. Uh, we'll save most of the discussion for the second half of the show. So this has appeared in a lot of different places, this news story. Probably the mo- most prevalent hit if you search for vegan news at the moment. This will probably come up quite a lot of times in your search engine. So this is the news that an eccentric former accountant in the name of The Express is facing jail today after she waged a YouTube hate campaign against her exasperated neighbours during a bitter feud about car parking in the street, littering Brexit and her pet turkeys. Now, you'll notice that has absolutely nothing to do with veganism. And I guess this is the point of our discussion is that actually it's got nothing to do with veganism, but the fact that she's vegan has got it into the story and is arguably why this story has been mentioned at all in the news, which is obviously concerning. Um, so basically, just to give you the facts, it's it's a big old neighbour's tiff, really. Um, there's been a lot of personal and expletive abuse between um, this the 64-year-old vegan um, and and her neighbours, and it's been going back and forth for a very long time, and it's culminated with uh, at Chester Magistrates Court, um, the lady called Noel. Um, she's been found guilty of harassment uh, between May and March last year. A warrant's been issued for her arrest, and she now faces up to 12 weeks in jail under sentencing guidelines. She has also, in the past, last year, been fined £180 for threatening behaviour following similar incidents in 2021. She's got three rescue turkeys in her garden, which apparently bothered the neighbours. She's got vegan dogs, vegan cats, and all of this. And it's just one of those where a tabloid has got hold of it and is using this word vegan as a as an insult as a as a way to describe somebody who is behaving in an extreme way i mean rich we we don't want to talk about this too much now but it's what like do you think that this is being covered so much because she's vegan i think this is just clickbait i mean there's nothing much more to add really i think they're putting too much emphasis on that and it's just so people can click it um i think we'll talk in more depth after uh in our discussion yeah yeah i think that's why so let's let's move on to the next story then yes let's move on um this one is from jama network disordered eating attitudes and food choice motives among individuals who follow a vegan diet in Brazil. Yeah, the uh, detectives amongst you listeners will have guessed that that is from a medical journal with its very boring title. So this was a study asking if there's an association between disordered eating attitudes and food choice motives among vegan dieters. And I, I don't know if you remember, Rich, but there was definitely a spate of articles a few years ago with people saying that that veganism was an example of people having an eating disorder or it was making people who are inclined to disordered eating more likely to choose a vegan diet. So it's, it's there's been a pairing between those things. Yes, well, I'd add to that the fact that I've heard and um, I think many people have also seen that people with a food disorder might be using vegan 
uh, or, or veganism or gluten intolerances or other food uh, intolerances to justify why they're not eating. So I think we need to be very careful with this. Yeah. And, and so I guess having a, an actual study looking at this is very important because I think all of the stuff that I've read on this in the past has been people sort of hypothesizing and saying, well, I've got this theory, but not necessarily with the data. So this was a cross-sectional study done in Brazil and it included 971 individuals, all of whom followed a vegan diet. Um, and it basically looked at, well, what were their attitudes to, to food and, and to to what extent were people having disordered eating as well as having a vegan diet. And interestingly, the study basically showed that there was 10 times less prevalence of disordered eating uh, amongst these 1,000 or so vegans than you would expect to see in the everyday population. So I I guess that's a really positive outcome. 94% of them were given the lowest level of disordered eating attitudes. They were sort of graded in, in to different degrees and 94% of them got the kind of lowest score you possibly could get. Only 0.6% of participants were associated with disordered eating attitudes, which like I say, 10 times lower than the average across the population in Brazil. I mean, the, my only question with this, Rich, they didn't do a similar questionnaire with non-vegans. So although they're basing it on the, the average of disordered eating amongst the Brazilian population, they didn't give non-vegans the same questionnaire. And I think that would have that would have strengthened it, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. But I must say that JAMA is a very prestigious publication. Oh, is so... it? I'd never, heard, I'd never heard of it. I hadn't got a clue what it was. Really? Yeah, what does it stand for? Journal of American it? Medicine or something? Uh, something like it, yeah. It's very prestigious. Oh, right. So, uh, no. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm sure... I don't know the scope of the study. I don't know the budget or what was the aim, but certainly it's a prestigious publication. So sure, there's more studies. Uh, maybe we've not come across them, but yeah, uh, they're very prestigious. So I'll go yeah. with what they say. Yeah, they could still make mistakes, though, couldn't they? They can still do we things. We all can. Better. We all can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, have a bit of healthy scepticism. I mean, th the only thing I'd say about this is, I, I mean, it's a great outcome, for this study, don't get me wrong, but I think I would hesitate before sharing it too widely because I think it's such a emotive area, disordered eating. Like I, I wouldn't want to just start sharing this. I mean, it's not something that really affects my life. I wouldn't want to use this as an example and go, look, everyone, look, vegans don't have eating disorders. Like I, I, I'd be careful before sharing it. I think I'd just keep it in my back pocket for if somebody said, oh, well, veganism's just a just an excuse to eat in a disordered way or it's going to encourage you to eat in a disordered way, then I might bring it up. But I'd probably keep silent about it until then. I don't know if that's just me. Well, what I, I'd say to that is I think this is just all these studies is, uh, or the aim of them should be to understand a bit more the population and understand all the patterns. So, yeah, yeah these studies are important to recognise patterns, to know how we can help people from a professional point of view, but maybe for the private individuals or the common individuals, as you or me, not telling you common, but bear yeah, with me, how dare you? you know, <laughs> how dare I? Uh, probably this is not relevant for us. I mean, we wouldn't go, maybe we can do that with climate change, with other things where 
you know, we can say, listen, this is a fact that we've studied and this is contributing, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to medicine and when it comes to these type of studies, we probably do not have enough knowledge to be able to say, you see, this is what happened. So, yeah, yeah, I would be careful. But certainly I think this is very important from a professional point of view to understand the distribution and to understand the spread of um, not only eating disorders, but other disorders. I mean, that's why, for example, there's studies that link um, a vegan diet with uh, less um, prevalence of Alzheimer. Yeah, so yeah. maybe I wouldn't go to person. I would not say, listen, if you don't eat, if you eat vegan, you'll not get Alzheimer because you don't can't make those claims. But you can certainly use these studies, uh, not from a professional point of view, but as a guidance. Yeah, I, I think as well, it's important to keep an eye on things like this, because actually, like, if I'd have read this story, and it said, the vegans had 10 times more eating disorders, like, I, I would have accepted that. And I, it would have made me think, and it would have made me examine certain things and think about how I, I, I did things. So I, I think it's important to to keep an eye on these things, because actually, they're not always going to be pro vegan, are they? And And we need to know these things, if that's the case. If if a study came out saying that uh, vegans do suffer 10 times more from anger, what would you say? Would you believe it? Absolutely not! No! What are you talking about? <laughs> I'd, okay. I'd still carry on, though. It wouldn't put me off. It wouldn't put me off. Are you ready for the last one? I think we should yeah, move I've, on to the last yeah, I've, one. I've calmed down now. Yeah? It's fine. Yeah. Are you sure? How's your blood pressure doing? Yeah, it's fine. Till you, till you brought up angry vegans. <laughs> Come on, this is the last one from The Economist. Veganuary opens office in Spain to continue the campaign's global expansion. Yeah, so UK-born charity Veganuary is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year, as you might remember from last week's podcast. They're bringing out a film and everything, uh, and they have announced this week that they are opening their 8th chapter, 8th country chapter, I should say, um, in Spain. So they've already got chapters. I don't, don't like that word chapter for some reason. Headquarters, offices. Well, I, this is it. I don't know. It's got a bit of a weird connotation. Anyway, there's bits of veganuary in the UK, USA, Germany, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, and India, and now in Spain too. Uh, so that's really good news, I reckon, isn't it? The new director for Veganuary Spain is called Amanda Romero. Uh, and according to Amanda, more than 5 million people, representing 13% of the country's population, already identify as vegetarian, vegan or flexitarian. Richard, I'm going to read out a statement now from Angela Romero, the new director of Veganuary Spain. And you're going to tell me, as a person from Spain, uh, what wh whether you agree or not, okay? Let's go for it. The majority of people in Spain do not want animals to be harmed. Um, can I make a disclaimer? I've not lived in Spain for 10 years. So okay. I'm 10 years away from uh, the reality of the country. I, I think that statement is true, but it would be true really? for any nation. No yeah. one willingly wants to harm animals. Everyone wants to believe themselves as being care careful and caring for animals, whether they yeah. eat them or not. So, yeah, if you ask someone, you can ask anyone, do you love animals? 90% will say yes. Do you eat yeah. animals? 90% will say yes. Yeah, there, yeah. You, there you've got the cognitive dissonance. So, anyway. Okay, I just want to clarify. My reasons for asking 
uh, was nothing xenophobic at all. It's just from our previous conversations, you've said things that, like in Spain, for example, um, animals are shown sort of uh, more in more explicit detail, I guess. Like you might go into a bar and there could be cuts of meat hanging from the ceiling. So I just didn't know whether like that there was still generally an attitude of, oh, we love animals or not. But I mean, you say so. And Amanda Romero, the new director of Veganuary Spain, says so. So uh, I, I definitely believe you. Um, probably I would have to add that um, more people in Spain probably do not think as animals as in the UK. It's a different culture. So probably the question needs to be take with, taken with a pinch of salt, okay? But I, I do truly believe if you ask people, do you love animals? They'll think of their dog and their cat and they'll say yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And like like you say, that, that's got to be the case across the world, hasn't it? So um, all the more reason for organisations like Veganuary to do their good work there. Uh, she went absolutely. on to say... She went on to say people across the country are looking for ways they can make a positive difference before things get even worse. Uh, she's speaking about the climate crisis. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing lots of Spanish signups to Veganuary next year. I hope so. And with that story, we're into double figures and have all stories covered. Well, just a reminder to all of you listening, if you spot news or articles that you think would catch our interest, get in touch with us by email at enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. As well as sending us new stories, we'd also love to hear your opinions on the articles we've covered this week, especially if you think there's a side to the stories that we have missed. Yeah, that's right, Rich. We just love those emails popping up in our inbox, so do send them in. We're also at Enough of the Falafel on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok, where you can get a little sneak preview on the news that we're covering in each episode, accompanied by pictures and music and all, all manner of pyrotechnics that I have uh, put time into doing. Uh, it's all good stuff, and we'd love it if you gave us a follow. What's everyone been saying in the comments and on the emails, Rich? On our Facebook page, we had a kind comment from La Rubina, who said, interesting points about taxing things which get subsidised. Also enjoyed hearing about the welfare versus abolitionist stances. Great episode. We also got an email that made us smile from Andy, who said that he was listening to the show on his way to the Lake District and that we were his companions while driving. Amazing. <laughs> we with you every step of the way, Andy. We sure are. You did make it sound like he was walking there, Rich. Like he's 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 <laughs> drive he's driving. He's not walking to the Lake District. Sorry, I'm being a pedant. Anyway, TikTok. TikTok, Rich, I did, I've not shared this with you yet. So I reposted on our TikTok the video of the uh, the Aussie child telling the anti-vegan joke, right? So I reposted it on TikTok saying, have you heard the latest vegan viral joke? What do you think, right? I put yeah. it up there. It got loads of likes, but like no one commented saying this is atrocious or I don't agree. It just got loads of people liking it. So I think I've inadvertently been promoting this anti-vegan joke. You can go onto our TikTok and see. Okay. Honestly, like 20% of people have liked it, which for TikTok is ludicrously high. You normally get like 1% of people liking things. So wow. I think I, 
I think I need to think more carefully about what I'm posting on there because it is definitely a non-vegan audience seeing our stuff on there. But anyway, thanks again for all your correspondence, everyone. Uh, We love seeing it. We love those emails and those comments too. Uh, Remember, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Enough of the Falafel and all emails on whatever subject you want should come to enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. Okay, Anthony, shall we move on to this week's discussion topic? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. I think I think it's gonna be a fruity one. It's gonna be full of full of juice and details. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, so the title of this week's episode is What Do We Do When Vegans Take Things Too Far? When I was reading the article that we covered towards the end of the news section um about this lady who who identifies as vegan got into a lot of trouble with her neighbors got into the news for it and is potentially facing jail my first response was just internally this is for goodness sake you silly person like all the hard work that all of us do to try and advocate for animals to come across as peaceful lovely moderate people that are not extremists blah 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 and you're just throwing all of that work away because you're getting into the newspaper for being an unreasonable extremist, basically. And it's it's a thought and a feeling that I have whenever I see something where I think, oh, that person's crossed a line there. They've They've put veganism in a bad light. And obviously, we all have different limits. We all grade different things as going too far. You know, Rich and I do not agree on that. Uh, on, on what the limit is and what is too far and as listeners you'll be the same and as people who aren't vegan they will also have have a limit as to what they think is pushing things too far but what I wanted us to discuss and for us all uh, to think about is as vegans what is our response when we think someone has gone too far rich there'll there'll have been instances where something gets in the news or maybe someone you know um, as a vegan crosses a line as as far as you're concerned sort of your judgment as to what is too far they've done something that you don't agree with what's what's your thought process what's what's your response how do you deal with it okay first of all this means something different for every single person everyone thinks the line is somewhere different so it's very subjective okay It's very difficult to know where the line is. And yeah, the second thing is we usually attach a behavior to a label. So I don't think that's right because we tend to think, well, we tend to think it's all all the people in a community behave the same way as one example or one person. And that's wrong. That's probably how we wired. So... To be honest, it doesn't really anger me if someone crosses the line. It angers me when that means the label gets um, backlash by the media. But you, do you know? not that. But that is happening, isn't it? I mean, we we've, we've seen either anecdotally from say the news story where there's a a guy saying, "I'm finding it hard to get a date now because no one wants to date vegans," um, or, or whether they're studies and actually things that are more scientific, like that there is backlash that is happening as as a result of these things. Yeah, there is backlash. There will be backlash in everything. 
Um, it's just the treatment that the media does because I'm sure there's some interest in, you know, cherry pick those things that can be legal as vegan. I remember we spoke about a few weeks ago about that person that had died in Thailand, I believe it was. And it was very clear that it was vegan raw person dies uh, in Thailand. When, when we read the news, it wasn't that clear. Or when we read the story, it wasn't that clear that there was a correlation. But anyway, don't want to go off topic. Um, yeah, that 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 person can't help that they've died. That's not a vegan taking things too far. Well, unless you think them dying choosing. is going too far. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't choose to. But somebody behaving in an abominable way, um, using hate speech or attacking people, um, you know, I, I think the vast majority of us would say that that's going too far, and that that is setting the movement back. And if it's setting the movement back it's harming animals it's harming animals outcomes so like surely we need to respond well yes but let me say following your example we'd need to know if there's any mental issues because if not also we would say that that's not fault of their own so they didn't have a choice so that you know um, yeah and i'd like to come on to that later as well because i think that's certainly the case no, sorry, I, I mustn't say certainly. There's a very strong chance, in my opinion, that that is the case um, for the for the story we've featured this week. Um, but let, let's come on to that a bit later. Okay, what I want to try to say, or what, what I want to do is to say, yeah, for me, probably um, taking things too far means things that do not help the movement. Unfortunately, we do not have a unified movement. Yeah, we have a lot of voices and I think we're doing great things and we're moving forward. But yeah, you'll always have things that are perceived as the mass crossing the line. But maybe crossing the line, you know, could be if I if I get a laptop and I go into a city centre and I show pictures of what happens in a slaughterhouse, is that crossing the line? I don't think so. I'm just showing the reality, you know. I know this case is different, but I would like to move away from this particular case when we discuss you know the broader what the broader thing of crossing the line is i yeah i when when i'm making this the title of the show i'm not necessarily wanting to discuss things where there's divided opinion where it's like 50 50 as to whether some people think that's acceptable and other people think it's going too far because I, i i think otherwise you're just you're just debating like philosophical value judgments. What I'm talking about is instances where 99% of people or more think that it's it's taking things too far, that it's harming the movement. And, and they're the examples of where I think we need to think about how we're responding. Yeah. Well, let me say, first of all, I do not believe in percentages in when it comes to this. Uh, sorry, but probably... 85 or 90% of people will think I'm crossing the line just because 90% of people eat animals, you know? Okay, so Okay, okay fine, fine. Make it 99% of vegans then. 99% <laughs> of vegans, if 99% of vegans think that someone's actions are harming the movement, then is there not an argument that something needs to be said or done for example, like let's yes, let's but we don't know that beforehand. We don't know what helps or not the movement. And no, what no, I well, mean okay. Is... Can I give you an example? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And and there have been examples of this, right? There have been people who have been in prominent positions or even the leaders of 
animal rights organisations. So organisations, charities who advocate on behalf of animals. And they've been shown to be hideously sexist or racist or or carrying out their activities in a way that is exploiting vulnerable people. Okay, that's not acceptable. That's like something has to be done about that because we cannot be seen to be condoning that sort of behavior. And unfortunately, in some instances, people have tried to hush it up um, for the sake of the animal rights movement. That's not okay. Like we have to distance ourselves. Okay. So there's, when things like that happen, we have to act, we have to do something about it. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter that we're arguing amongst ourselves or things like that. We have to do something about it. Okay. So that's a really extreme, but real case. Yeah, you'd accept that we have to do something there, yeah? Yes, and that comes down to speciesism because that's the mother of all the isms, right? So I truly believe that when you're vegan, if you truly embrace an abolitionist approach and you believe that speciesism is what probably starts everything, all the other isms should go away. I mean, you can't... You shouldn't be speciesist. Sorry? But... But they don't know. Like hi- they, they don't. Re- recent history tells us that it doesn't. So, so we have to call people out on these things. Like we have to. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we have to. But let me backtrack a second because we're getting carried out here. On we we are highlighting the bad things that vegans are doing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I. 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 I would like to move away from here. Just let me say that for me, crossing a line, in my opinion, crossing a line is whenever there's harassment or there's violence uh, mentally or physically. So for me, that's crossing a line. It doesn't really matter if you're vegan. That's in everything in life, okay? I think the problem here is, yes, all the... We need to be a united movement. Yeah, we need to be perfect. I know that because if not, we'll be <laughs> cherry picked. And um, we need to highlight when someone doesn't behave in a normal way. Having said that, but so so so, do you think that we we do need it then? So like, I, I, what I'm getting here is a, a clear understanding of of like what crossing the line is for you. And you mentioned like harassment and let's say let's say violence. Yeah. Yes. Let me rephrase that in saying. Any form that does not show respect to another person, yeah, I'd like to push that further to living being. But let's yeah, yeah, keep yeah. it. Let's keep it in persons, because I know we're talking about persons. Anything that shows disrespect for that person, that yeah. includes obviously harassment, all the isms. That for me, yeah. is crossing the line. Okay, okay, okay. So can we pause? So can we pause? So we've got that definition for you. Okay, what what do you do then? What do you do? So when when you have that feeling that someone's crossed the line, like the line as you set it for you, and everyone's line is different, when someone crosses that line, like what do you do? Listen, how many million vegans are we? There's one person that crosses the line. I know the media will be all over the place. Should I call the media and say, hi, sorry, that person didn't mean it. Uh, that person does not represent okay. me. Okay, so if if somebody does something unspeakable in the name of veganism right and none of us say uh, we disagree with this like this person is is going too far this doesn't represent veganism what they're doing if no one says anything that silence speaks quite loudly doesn't it that silence yeah. is saying well we actually all agree with what they did 
the thing is, I try to think of people. I don't. I obviously some behaviors cannot be condoned or cannot be, you know, uh, exempt of responsibility. Everyone needs to be accountable. But normally, I think instead of thinking, "Oh, that person, what a behavior," I think the behavior is a reflection of the pain or from some things Absolutely. that are going inside. You know. Absolutely. But let me elaborate on that. So, yes, I I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from. But by that logic, I think, for example, Animal Rising are doing an incredible job. They're yeah, brave yeah. people putting themselves down the line. They have, yeah. you know, achieved many things. They yeah. do it through non-violent uh, civil, you know, disobedience. Yes. That's not causing any harm to anyone. No. Under my view, under my yeah, view. Yeah. I know for many people, they will say, yeah, they're doing this to me or they're, they're disrupting I think they're doing a, you know, a very fair thing. Yeah. So under under the kind of definition that we set earlier, I would say less than ninety nine percent of vegans would say that they're crossing a line. Some vegans will say no, they shouldn't do that, even though it is peaceful. It's stopping people going to work or whatever. But actually, like, there's enough of us who kind of think, yeah, I think that's I think that's all right. Actually, that's fine. And for me, that's not the stuff I'm talking about. I'm talking about where like almost everyone is saying this is really bad. You should not be doing that. That is setting that movement back. Like we're pretty much all in agreement that's setting the movement back. Like that's when I'm questioning what do we do? Yeah, but we are falling in the trap. Honestly, we Go are on. falling in the trap because what it means is is... is how many people that are not vegan behave in a way that is just uh, horrendous? How many? What, how many so, get sorry. featured? I, d I don't know what you mean. I mean that somehow, by the article we've read and by having this discussion, yeah. we what we're doing is we're having an internal debate, if you will, about vegans and how do we need to behave um, what's crossing the line? What do we do with the people that cross the line? Yeah. Without thinking okay, the problem is not us crossing the line. No, right. The problem it's... is we're having a discussion about how we should behave about people, you know, uh, and I don't mean this for the population, but by a behaviour, some, sometimes for no fault of their own, that's driving the earth to extinction, that's causing climate change and the suffering of 85 million billion land animals. And we're saying, oh, what should we do? Because one person maybe has not behaved and has crossed the line. And because okay. of that person, the 85 billion land animals have been left and attended we're ashamed. No, come on. No, let's no, no, no. put. Let's put. Let's put the discussion where it should be, which it's like, why? Why don't we feature that in the media? Why don't we feature all the the uh, cruelty and abuse? And maybe think, okay, well, maybe we need to rethink about what's crossing the line. Yeah. Okay. So there's two different things there. So the the mass uh, ignoring or not changing lifestyles quick enough to save the planet. That's <laughs> that's crossing a line but actually it's it's understandable why it's happening i don't agree with it but like that if, if we if we learn from psychology we can understand why people are not changing quickly enough and they need to but we can understand it okay what i'm talking about agreed we agree right. in one thing <laughs> hey! right now let's quickly move on um <laughs> 
what I'm talking about in terms of one person behaving in an extreme way that undermines the integrity of the vegan movement. Number one, I want to be clear. When people are doing that is very often because they're feeling misanthropic, they're feeling despair, they're feeling alone, they're feeling not understood. And I'm actually, I advocate for us putting an arm around them and and saying, come on, let's like, let, let me listen to you. Let me listen to what you're going through. Actually, I think that would solve 90% of these things. Okay, so number one, I'm not trying to number vilify one. people. I'm not trying to vilify people. But if we want a vegan movement to be effective, we've surely got to recognise how quickly the media jumps on negative PR like this. And actually what we can do, number one, to prevent it happening in the first place. And number two, when it does happen, if, if we just say, well, at least they're not killing animals and, and ruining the planet. Um, so actually, I'm with this person who has just abused their neighbour. Like, I, I, I think By the way, I have bad. not stated that. Just to make no, it know, clear, no, I, I have not stated that. No, no, no. I know you haven't. I know you haven't. But what I'm saying is, I'm not have I'm not saying that vegans are awful and like any time we make a mistake it's terrible and and we should be ashamed of ourselves I'm just saying it's like the the question is like what do we do when vegans take it too far like if if pretty much everyone is in agreement that someone has done something that is going too far I think it's important that we give some consideration to how we respond and one response like i say one response is is actually putting an arm around that person and like saying like you okay like it it seems like you're really upset at the moment like you're lashing out at your next door neighbor for for an inconsequential thing like come on let me let me listen to what you're going through like that's one thing but but also we've surely we've got to like if if asked we've got to say yeah i'm i'm not down with that i don't agree with that like that's that's taking things a bit far in my opinion surely we've got to yeah i mean we we can't harass people as i said for me crossing the line is whenever there's uh, a form of violence against the person that there's you know no respect and all this but again we fall into the trap can you imagine i mean how many people worldwide go to new york surely some some tourist has got robbed you know or stabbed mm. in new york mm. therefore is that you know are all new yorkans bad for society you know in terms of the perception of people like would yeah. you not go to new york because someone got robbed no but you, so you're talking about stereotypes right yeah and oh absolutely i mean yeah let yeah, me say but... i again I, I'm I'm going to repeat myself to death. I do not support any thought of violence towards any person, towards any living being. We should have respect for all another. And yes, these things happen happen among vegans, non-vegans. Um, you know, in any aspect of life, you will have people that cross a line, and crossing a line is different for everyone. So that's why we have laws. Yeah. So make sure when someone crosses the line, they're certainly or, or in some way accountable. But we have, as vegans, a very big stereotype that we've built up throughout the years. And that's why we are known as angry vegans, as um, you name it, you know, that's a vegan. 
you know that's yeah. why a, a ten-year-old makes a jokes about vegans, and that's why they believe, you know, uh, who what's best for society? Well, uh, sorry, what <laughs> who wins uh, society? Yeah, that's yeah. the image. So, but that's a stereotype, and as human beings, we should have less stereotypes. How we change that? Well, probably the way moving forward is just, you know, be more compassionate, be more aware of the differences between people. Like, how many times have you heard, oh, Germans are this way, or mm-hmm. uh, Americans, Argentinians, Spanish? How many times have heard people say, oh, Spanish, paella, toros? No, no, mate. Mm. No, I do yeah. not like toros, and <laughs> I do not like paella, you know? Yeah. So what we're discussing is really a stereotype. That's what yeah. we're discussing. And yeah, there's always people that will do a disservice. The, the bad thing about it is the media picks it because there's an interest. There's an interest to stop veganism. Yeah, I so that's definitely a big thing too. But I think that a lot of vegans, their first reaction or, or, or in the first few months of being vegan, um, you, you've kind of taken the red pill or the blue pill or whatever the analogy is and you've seen the world in a different way and very often your first response one of your first responses is to broadcast that to anyone who will listen you you try and persuade your family your friends uh, your co-workers or whatever you you try and do that and generally speaking what happens then is that we experience uh, an apathy or, or not quite the response from those people that we would hope for. And then what we do is we tone down what we're saying and we po- become a bit more selective and a bit more strategic because we get feedback that actually this raw way of just blurting it out is not actually what is most effective. And if it's not most effective for convincing people, it is not most effective for animals. And that's that's where I'm coming from here in that uh, yeah it's we, we shouldn't have stereotypes and the media shouldn't do things like that but actually what is most effective for the animals is us being efficient and strategic about what we're doing and actually I, I'm going to say what I think is strategic for us as a movement is to recognize that sometimes quite vulnerable people are attracted to our movement because it's nice and simple. It's very welcoming. Um, All you've got to do is you say you love animals and then you're open, you're welcome with open arms. Um, Random strangers will say, oh, you're brilliant. You're vegan too. Fantastic. Oh yeah, you'll be my mate. I'll add you on Facebook and what have you. And, And all of a sudden, quite vulnerable people have got a community, which is lovely, but the simplicity of the message can then result in people saying very extreme things without really understanding the nuance of if you're going to yell in someone's face like that is taking things too far and and that's in my opinion and that's not going to be effective and that's going to lose us a lot of votes of approval and that's going to build into a stereotype and so I think being strategic about things what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that that vulnerable people are out there or that, or that, do you know what? We're all vulnerable when we're vegan because the world's not vegan. And so it upsets us and it can send us mad. And I'm sure many people like their, their acts of 
extremism, for want of a better word, are because the, the non-vegan world is driving them slightly mad and they're behaving in an erratic way. And I think we need to recognise that. Be be aware of it. Look out for it before it goes too far, before people start blowing themselves up in the name of veganism or shouting in their neighbours' faces saying, oh, you carnist scum or, or whatever. Like, we need to be aware of that and, and catch it before it happens. Um because otherwise we're not being as effective as we could be as a movement. Does that make any sense? It does make sense, but I feel like we've been talking about two different things, but let me put it, let me put it all together. So for example, tailored to what you're saying, yes, I think we need to be a more united movement. We're not at the moment. As individuals, we need to be our best. Yes, I know that's not the case because there's a lot of pain and suffering and we all have problems, but Okay, if we need to find the solution or if we need how are ways, what ways do we have to improve ourselves? Well, first of all, um, I want to say that Melanie Joy has a a great platform. She does courses. I've done some courses from her or this platform. It's called SIVA, which is the Center for Effective Vegan Advocacy. And it just not only it's about how you can be more effective, but it's also about how to sustain your mental well-being and how to cope with a world that's not vegan. So I think, yeah, we need to think about ourselves first, put our oxygen mask, and then therefore we'll be able to help others. Yeah, Yelling to people is never good. It's never good. That's why I still don't understand how the British Parliament works. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Oh my god! I, and 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 can I say, like, uh, am I interrupting you, Rich? Do you... Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll finish so, later. <laughs> so, the British Parliament is a really good example because when I see footage of that, I'm embarrassed of British democracy. I'm embarrassed to be British when I see the way that people conduct themselves there, and that that's a prime example of it. I think. Like, that's admonishable behaviour. Like, I, I want to distance myself from it. And I want people to know that I distance myself from it. Because if people think that that's what being British means, no, no, no. Like, it, that to me, that's not what, what being British means. Okay. Recapping on what I said. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. I think, you know, we need to look after ourselves. We can live as vegans in a place from a deep, deep pain because the pain we suffer is not the one that's inflicted on ourselves, but the one we, sh- we witness inflicted on others. It's mm. very, very easy to cross the line because the, the pain we, f- we bear is, is, you know, I don't want to compare our pain to what the poor animals suffer, because obviously they are the receivers of that. Mm. Uh, but the pain and the suffering we also carry with us can be quite unbearable. So we need to look after ourselves. We need to do courses like the ones from... Uh, from Melanie Joy at the Centre for Effective Vegan Advocacy, great courses. By the way, I do not, you know, I this is not a commercial. I've done them myself, you know, and I really like them. There's books like Vistopia from um, Claire Mann that make you, you know, understand what, what does it mean to live in a world that's uh, dystopian, you know, as a vegan. So, mm. no, I, I do not think crossing the line is a good thing um, because, as you say, diminishes our ability as a collective to improve things. Having said that, we are not the problem. We are not the problem. And yes, we need to have a better and more effective advocacy. Uh, Probably we'll get there. 
but you know stereotypes are a bit thing and there's one more thing that I might interrupt you because I wanted to say and I forgot okay Rich we need to wrap things up otherwise it's going to take you all day to edit this episode um yes uh, yesterday last week we had our final points I made one and you made three and I was very bitter about this okay so we're gonna uh, um, let's meet halfway we can each make two points to to summarize the takeaway points from our from this discussion you can go first can i break the points down no you can't no (laughs) no i'll cut you off okay if i'm allowed two points who goes first do i should i go first You, you go first this time okay i just would like to say that one crossing the line is something different for everyone Everyone will get offended at some point. Sometimes you don't mean to offend someone, but someone will get offended no matter what you do. I know it's not the case of what the news article we discussed uh, that triggered this discussion. But yeah, uh, Ricky Gervais usually, he he annoys many people, uh, offensive or not. I mean, yeah, you always will offend someone. We might be offending someone now, you know. With Let's this hope discussion. so. So, yeah, what crossing the line is will be different. For me, it's when you uh, do any act that's not respectful and therefore has implicit or explicit violence towards uh, mentally or physically. For me, that's crossing the line, okay? And what should we do about it? Well, I don't believe in stereotypes. We shouldn't put every community, every uh, identity, every group in the... You know, in the hands of the behavior of one person, we need to have the abstract capability of thinking of every individual forming part of a group as different. And therefore, some people will not represent what the the, the collective represent. So we need to be very careful stereotyping people. Tailored to this, which is the last second point, okay, will be that we need to look after ourselves. We need to really... um, be aware of the pain we 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 can carry by being vegan. Take some courses, read some books, have some mates, have some friends, and maybe between all of us and through some courses and reading, we can find a better way of uh, effective advocacy. Thank you, Rich. So I think my my concluding points would be that um, I do think it is important that there is a response if we perceive that that somebody is very clearly crossing the line and is associated with the vegan movement because I think the the effectiveness of the vegan movement affects animals. Like there's a direct correlation between the two. There's a causality between how strong the vegan movement is and the effect it has on innocent sentient beings. So I think if there's something that happens that brings veganism into disrepute, there needs to be some sort of response or if it risks happening, Maybe it's a smaller response, but I do think there needs to be a response. But my second point would be the best kind of response is for us to be the most inclusive, welcoming, but also sensitive and caring and nurturing community so that we can avoid people getting into a position where they feel so misanthropic. They feel so disenchanted with the world and the way that it is that they are perhaps likely to do or say something that is aggressive, that is disrespectful, that is violent, and that they become the kinds of things that can bring our movement into disrepute. So I think prevention is better than uh, responding. 
Uh, and that's that's what I'd have to say. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Could you repeat that? Shut up. So a question to all of you listening right now. What do you think about this? What do you think about the discussions that we have, the points that we've done? Um, would you suggest something different? Do you have a different view? Yeah, let us know. Uh, and, remember and this. Do post- you think? And do you think that Rich made two points at the end, or was it actually twenty-two? Um, <laughs> remember, this post- podcast isn't just about Anthony and myself. We're a collective, we're a community, and we'd absolutely love to hear your voices too. Enough of the falafel at gmail.com is the place to send your thoughts, questions, comments, and concerns regarding any of the news stories or anything else we've covered this in this week's episode. Episode. Rich, we're almost at the end of the episode now. Thanks again for being here and for holding the space with me. You're always very welcome, Anthony. Cool. And thank you to all of our listeners too. We very much appreciate every single one of you. Maybe slight favouritism for the mystery listener in Belgium this week. Um, I don't know why that's particularly got my fascination, but you're all lovely, even if you didn't quite make it to the end. I appreciate this episode was a bit longer than usual. So can I can I tell you something I'm very excited about this month? So um, some listeners might be aware of the Far Place um, Animal Sanctuary. Um, they organise a lot of vegan festivals across the country. Um, but they they are an animal sanctuary as well and they've released a board game which just popped up on my Facebook feed Um, it's a board game based around an animal sanctuary Uh, they did some crowdfunding for it and I believe you can go on their website now and buy one I'm super excited about this I love board games it's like one of my favourite pastimes so I'm definitely getting a copy of that um, this October so that's that's made this month really exciting for me anyway that's enough of the falafel for us this week thank you everyone for listening I've been Richard he's been Anthony and this has been episode 3 of Vegan Week